Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. E-I. Third and final hour of this morning's edition of The Greg Hill Show. Fitzy and Hart filling in today. 617-779-7937. Your telephone number. Action Jackson behind the glass taking your calls. Dishing out the balls, we're talking a little bit of the Dynasty, the new Apple Plus TV series about the New England Patriots, chronicling their 20-year double dynastic run, and a lot of what went into building the Dynasty and how the Patriots were able to set a foundation for success, as well as manage all of the egos, the controversies, the scandals, all the good stuff that made it, honestly, the most compelling team in all of football, if not all of American sports, for two decades, which is pretty difficult to do we got some interesting red sox news that just broke a little while ago that i want to get to but first let's get to some of your calls on the dynasty as well josh is in east hampton josh how are you welcome hey fitzy and hart uh well uh observations on dynasty i really love it and uh andy i think that it's a good watch for you know father and son uh, at least for those first two episodes i found the theme to be something that i uh a lot of young people struggle with and uh, it's belief in oneself and conviction in your decision-making. And I was really inspired by how they expressed that with Brady and his determination and Bill understanding what it meant to be held accountable for making decisions. And uh, if you're watching it with uh, your, your son or your daughter and just, uh, you know, understanding like, hey, you know, good things can happen when you believe in yourself and you, and you stick to your decisions. You know, if you take risks, but good things can come of this. And I thought that was a, a great theme in those first two episodes. Hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a great call, Josh. Uh, thanks very much for weighing in on that. Yeah, I- Andy, when they go back to, again, we referenced a little while ago, I would highly recommend if your son's into it, and you referred to him as a next-gen or pink hat Patriots fan because yep. all he's known is success and Gronk and Brady and Edelman and winning, and, you know, he has no idea, nor, nor would my kids or so many kids, and, you know, they don't know what they don't know because – they weren't here to experience it, just how bad the Patriots were at many different junctures and what it was like to see them go from the outhouse to the penthouse, from darkness to dynasty, as, as Jerry Thornton put in the title of his first book about the Pats. It's, it's amazing. And then all this footage that they unearth uh, from Cleveland um, about the way Belichick was just eviscerated out there and how he was run out of town and how they hated him. Like, did you know they... Uh, they hung a Bill Belichick when he was dismissed. I think it was it was it either I forget when they moved the Browns to Baltimore, or maybe it was the day that 
uh, that he was fired. They hung a Bill Belichick basically doll in, in effigy like he was like they built gallows outside the stadium. There was a massive fan rally. All the nasty side like the day that he the day that they cut Kozar uh, when Bernie Kosar was cut and ultimately it led to Vinny Testaverde later on. But, um, you know, he was replaced with some backup who kind of stunk for a while. But they had kind of gotten to a point the same way that Ernie Adams and Bill Belichick and everyone had analyzed that Drew Bledsoe had taken too many hits and was slowing down and Brady gave them the best chance to win. Um, all this footage of Cleveland fans just hating on Belichick and saying they want to run him out of town, and they were out, like, there were dozens and dozens of fans out outside the stadium the day that Bernie Kosar, who was a favorite son of Ohio and Cleveland, was cut. And then they're cutting back and forth between trying to make the right decision about Brady Bledsoe and how Bill had kind of thought he was doing the right thing before on that legendary coaching staff in Cleveland and then paralleling it to 2001. That alone just creates more tension. Uh, the narrative is great. It's really, really exciting. And, and I, I felt like... Somebody like myself, a good old Pat's wonk like me, was learning a lot in the process. Yeah, and I, I mean, people that um, have done the the research and read, and like you, you get some of those tales. And obviously, the visual uh, is nice of Bill in Cleveland. And I think you know, you want to talk to what the caller just brought up about sort of faith in yourself and stick to itiveness or whatever. Um, Bill certainly had that because Bill went through a pretty miserable experience in totality in Cleveland. Part of it, his own doing, like his personality, his mm-hmm. abrasive way, and he was that way in Cleveland without the winning, without the success, and I think that garnered the reaction it got when he was let go, and I believe as the Patriot me- Patriots media guide put it, uh, he did not make the move with the team to Baltimore. Yeah, no, they fired him. <laughs> you can say <laughs> yeah, did fired. not make the move. He was fired. That was the original parting of the ways, um, but, you know, and I'd be interested in some of that because you hear stories about Cleveland, you know, him forcing the team broadcasters to do the the basically the all access show at like four thirty in the morning, and if you want to do it, that's when I'll be here. Otherwise, we're not doing it. And making an entire film crew get up at that hour and come in and record it, or the famous "we couldn't run the ball the length of my you know what today" quote <laughs> that I don't know ever I've ever seen video of. I'm, I'm maybe an urban legend at this point. <laughs> um, so some of that is great, like the 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 depths of because we know so much. But a lot of it is the superficial stuff. And as you said, this was the dominant team, the dominant sports team, you know, of the generation of a couple generations here. And there still is always more little tidbits to know or visualizations mm-hmm. or audible. You know, you hear something that you kind of knew. But now when you hear it play out in their voices, that adds a layer to the the whole experience. So, no, it's good. I just wonder We, you and I talked about this, I think, on one of the podcasts I just wonder what, and I don't even know, do we ever get, like, ratings? Like, what's the appetite outside of Patriot Nation for this? Are people mm. in Minnesota and Seattle and L.A. and Oakland and Texas, are they like, yeah, I want to know more about that Patriot dynasty that I hated and had to deal with for 20 years? I'm, I'm interested in that, too. Yeah. Now, the streamers are never required to disclose their the number of views that they have and how many downloads there are. Basically, you, you basically you just never get that information. Amazon doesn't share it. Netflix famously doesn't share it as well. I mean, Apple, I bet if it's a success for them, there will probably be some sort of press release that says, you know, over five million unique views of, you know, the Dynasty episode one on release weekend or so. Like we right. may get something if it's a massive success, but they're not required like to like like other traditional broadcast networks to disclose what the ratings are like. 
according to the FCC, uh, like the FCC requires people to do for like ABC, CBS, NBC, and all of your uh, other broadcast networks. I'd love to know personally, and I and I too am curious what the general appetite around the rest of America, the rest of the world, don't forget, because you know people outside of the United States have Apple TV Plus as well. Uh, I'm I'm very curious to see you know what people say about it as well and the fact you know i had a friend you you talked about one friend found it a little bit boring other people have found it very riveting like i said it's it's deeply affecting my appreciation of all the things that they went through and the difficulty in the decision making there are a lot of people that you would hope to hear from that you get to hear from a few that you unfortunately don't they did take a little bit of a liberty i'll say in episode two where they use the um, they used the big the game against the Rams, Andy, in 2001, the first yep. one, not the Super Bowl. Yep. It was a 24-17 final on a Sunday night at the old stadium, at Foxborough yep. Stadium. And the way that it's portrayed in the series is that that was a point. They used that to build up to Belichick deciding, nope, we're going to stick with Tom the rest of the way, and what a big talker that was. And you see footage of, you know, young Bob, you know, Bob Lobel and Shaughnessy and Bob Ryan debating it on a Sunday night on Channel 4 and uh, – they didn't. What they didn't talk about was, I, I, do you do you remember feeling kind of like I was disheartened by the loss? I was there as the last football game I ever saw live with my dad as well. Um, you know, it was a bummer that they lost, and I thought I thought too at the time, like, oh man, I guess this team just doesn't really have it. But there was a lot of talk as well, like, hey, the Patriots kind of, you know, Brady doesn't throw a couple picks. Like they hung with this team. They were the Rams didn't blow them off the field. That and Mike Martz, who's in the series, which is awesome to see Mike Martz say yes and actually do some testimonials. Um, Mike Martz, didn't he famously say, like, that's a damn good football team. Don't be surprised if we see them again. Um, I don't remember the exact quote. And there was also um, Belichick apparently said something like that. I don't know if that's in here. Um, oh, Sailor's Mouth, by the way, on Bill Belichick and all the interviews and all the uh, locker room stuff you get on on Belichick. Totally well, unfiltered. I've, I've told you that the greatest accomplishment he's ever had is he – off camera in production meetings and locker rooms has a potty mouth and I don't believe has ever accidentally sworn in a press conference or in any of those settings. So I find it miraculous that he's able to flip that switch. But yeah, that game was roundly considered the sort of stepping off point of like, we lost, but we can hang. You know, we can hang. We're we're Rocky one here. We're like we 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 put on a show. We we can hang with the big boys. Um now, I don't know how much of that is a little bit revisionist history and how much of it actually occurred in the moment, um, but it ended up being right either way. Yeah, it, they, they did. And it's I'm surprised that that element wasn't included, rather that it was more sort of like, uh-oh, the Patriots lost to the Rams. Everyone's wondering if Tom Brady's got it. Can this team go all the way? Seemed like a, a convenient, like I said, a convenient narrative omission, if you will. But again, your thoughts on it, if you want to weigh in on the Dynasty, 617 779 7937. Just a little bit more to go here on this morning's edition of the Greg Hill Show with Fitzy and Hart to catch you up on everything else happening in the wide world of Boston sports and beyond. Here's Jackson Burns. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Trending on WEI and WEI.com. The East beat the West in the NBA's All Star game 211 to 186. Jalen Brown was in the dunk contest, and he lost it to Mac McClung, who played four games this year. Uh, the Bruins lost another one in overtime to the Kings during their Saturday matinee. They will do one again today at 1 when they take on the Stars. And the Sox, they made a signing uh, that uh, Fitzy alluded to a little while ago. And if I can pull it up on my phone, I will tell you who it is. It is 
right-hander Liam Hendricks, and they signed him to a two-year deal per Buster only uh, worth $10 million. So uh, getting another pitcher to help this uh, really bad starting rotation. That is what's trending on WEI and WEI.com. Fitzy and Hart will be back after this. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What, what's, the, what's the odds now? 60-40, 50 70 30. For what? <laughs> For me getting traded, you're yeah. saying? I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, like I said, man, I enjoy putting this uniform on. And um, I'm still here, so I take it as a blessing that I'm, at the end of the day, I'm still in a big league team, do what I want to do, mm-hmm. and understanding about winning and all that. And if I, I can help right now for be that vocal and be that example, leader by example, to show, you know, how we can be on the track to win ball games. You know, here I am. So, mm-hmm. um, you you try to put it in a no trade class. Yeah, I mean, I don't have no trade class. No, I don't. That's our pal Rob Bradford, the old Bradfo show from the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast. In a recently published episode, uh, Bradfo sat down with Kenley Jansen, and Andy, we share that little nugget on the news of. Liam Hendricks being signed by the Boston Red Sox. Uh, was it a two-year deal, I believe, with $10 million yeah. guaranteed? Okay. So it's a two-year deal. Um, and you, know, you, might, you might say, Liam Hendricks, who's this guy? Jackson, he's not a starting pitcher. He's a reliever. Uh, the interesting thing about Liam Hendricks is that he, uh, let me see right here, Hendricks 35 was the American League's Comeback Player of the Year award winner in 2023 after he managed, I get this from MLBTradeRumors.com, after he managed to return to the mound five months after he began undergoing treatment for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in early January before announcing that he was cancer-free come April. It's a wonderful story, um, certainly deserving of that award and then some, but it, it continues and here's where things get very contemporary Red Sox, if you will. Unfortunately, Hendricks' amazing comeback was cut short after just five appearances due to a bout of elbow, inflama- elbow inflammation. Just like me trying to get through. Would you stop laughing how I butchered transition two times yesterday? You just said elbow. 
It's a lot of talk, a lot of moving parts, Andy. I was prepared to go one way. We had this debate, that debate. Come on. Cut me a little slack. Um, I did say elbow, though. <laughs> yep. Um, elbow inflammation, which ended up leading to the veteran undergoing Tommy John surgery back in August. Record scratch. Wait, what? Raggy. So basically, folks, the Red Sox have signed another pitcher. They already have one pitcher signed to the roster this year who can't pitch in 2024. And now basically they have another. Now the hopes and expectations are that Hendricks will be ready to return to the team around August. Right around the same time that they would have to trade away reliever Kenley Jansen if they want to move on from him in 2024 and perhaps trade him to a contender and acquire more future value. The 2024, I'm not reading from the article anymore. This is now Fitzy and Hart here for Greg Hill. This 100% Andy, the 2024 season for the Boston Red Sox. We were joking yesterday, like, is it over already? Like, are we not being fair? Is the, is the season over before it started? The answer is yes. The answer, 1,010% is yes. Season is over. Dunsky, I mean, they are like... They, they're all about 2025 and beyond. What? what? I mean, I, I know I was going to get to something else later in golf to do a little, you know, what are we doing? Curtis style. But like, what are that? What in the holy hell are the Sox doing? Stockpiling guys that can't pitch this year, making guys that are already on the team that signed here, not just for money, but because they wanted to be part of the Red Sox team and they love it in Boston. Kenley Jansen has done everything under the sun you could possibly ask for. His reward, I guess, is going to be going to a team that at least that's going to compete this year. But I just don't know what what kind of there's a mutual option for 2026 as well for on the Hendricks deal. Should he come back to should he round back into form? Great. What what are you what are you giving Red Sox fans hope for? What are you telling them for 2024? What's going to be worth watching this season, Andy? Anything? Honestly, I ask. No, nothing. And whether you want to refer to it as a rebuilding year, a bridge year, when that's coming off back-to-back last-place seasons, three out of the last four last-place seasons, it's just a tough sell. It's a little bit like we were talking about yesterday with the Patriots and like, oh, they're, they got a four- or five-year plan. Well, if I marry that up to the four years I've lived through, you're telling me I get eight or nine years of not really being competitive, not really competing, not being a contender? And for the Red Sox, I'd say the same thing. You've sucked three of the last four years. That's last place. Last place sucks. Um, and you have every indication or expectation you're probably going to be a last place baseball team this year that wins less than 80 baseball games. And there's minor league players, young players that they're excited about and they're, you know, keep selling us on. And you have Devers and Casas, I guess. Um, beyond that, there's not a whole hell of a lot of. Bayo, maybe, uh, intrigue or guys you want to watch. So there's not much intrigue in just pure talent. Forget about the results, just the pure talent, like a guy you want to watch. I don't care if this, you know, the the old Akib Talib. I'd listen to him read the phone book. There's not a lot of guys you're going to watch even if they strike out, right? Like there just isn't mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, they used to, we were talking about the Bay Area earlier, and they, you know what they famously said about Oakland? There's no there there. I'm not sure there's a there here in New England with the Red Sox this year. There's no there there. I I just I just want like I I mean I'm, this feels this feels sad right now. Here it is February 19th. We're already calling the season over. Yeah. It feels now like we're 
beating a dead horse just once and once and again and over and again, just complaining about the Reds. Oh, they got their tickets are on sale at Costco. Oh, they're the poverty socks. Ownership needs to sell. Why would I want to go to Fenway? I don't know. Like yesterday, we were reading through the roster. The, the outfield is almost comes across like a joke. Like Tyler O'Neill is going to be all the power this year, and you've got people playing out. You can't sign a good second baseman. You acquire one. You acquire somebody when you deal Chris Sale away to the Atlanta Braves. That Vaughn Grissom that hopefully can play the infield. But as you pointed out yesterday, like wasn't he on pace to set a uh, an errors record for the Braves, and that's why they were more than willing to. Le- I I don't know. I, how's it going to be fun? Like, hey, take the kids to Fenway for what? Hot, I, I can get hot dogs and Coke anywhere. The only thing I wonder is I'm a big believer that this world is all about expectations. And because expectations are so low and I don't think anybody has any hope at all, maybe they're going to surprise a little bit. And by surprise, I mean don't finish in last place or win 84 games, something of that nature. Um, because I think I haven't. Have you met anyone? Have you talked to anyone that is able to put a positive spin on this? Is able to rationalize this in a way for this year, not the future? I think there are some Red Sox Nation uh, members that are probably okay. Oh yeah, I'm, um, Marcelo Mayer in 2025 and all these things. Rafael, blah blah blah. I haven't heard anybody that that is has put a uh, lipstick or, or perfume on this pig of a season. So therefore, the expectations may be so low that, in a way, they benefit. And if they're just mediocre at all, we will enjoy it. Maybe I'm trying to do the hard sell here. I don't. Really yeah, you're you're doing <laughs> you're doing everything you can to tap dancer on this one. It's damn near impossible. I I don't know. We've asked the question before to the audience at large. Bradfoe has tried to come up with as much as well. I listened this weekend to the Baseball Isn't Boring show. He had some of the guys from Play Tessie on as well. Nobody could figure out, like, the Schreiber trade. I guess the guy they got back, they'll have control of longer. He's a hard thrower. Yeah. Maybe they felt like they were, maybe they felt like they were selling Schreiber at his highest value. I don't know. I just I just can't see this team contending. Like we, we, we went over the wins and loss totals yesterday for a bunch of Major League Baseball teams. The Dodgers over-under that you can bet on is 103.5 games. I'm probably going to take the over. But the Red Sox is 79.5. How can you convince me? That 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 they're going to go over and actually have a winning record this year. They didn't have a winning uh, record last year, and there's less talent on the team this year. Yeah, I cannot. the The only and you know the the issue here is if you just focus everybody on 2025. Well, you know Mac Jones likes to famously say, "Be where your feet are." Well, where my feet are in 2024. <laughs> you can keep selling me on 25, but my feet are in 24. What the hell do you expect me to do for the here and the now? And do you lose people? That's the other thing. One bridge year, I feel like in Boston, we've we've debated over the years. Even at their heights, they were sort of an up and down team. World Series, not that good. World Series, mm-hmm. not that good. Mm-hmm. But now you've been bad last place three of the last four years, and you're basically telling me through your actions you're going to be bad this year. So you're going to be bad four out of five years. You might finish in last three straight years. That's a tough sell. This isn't Kansas City or Houston or. One of the, you know, Baltimore even, this is Boston. And even in a down period where maybe we're not quite as dominant and entitled town as we used to be, I don't I don't think that really flies. I think people can lose, in, especially in the, the game of baseball, I think they can lose interest and move on. I always talk about this. Baseball, one of the challenges they face in my mind mm-hmm. is their season. They have the best weather season. 
So that gives me the opportunity to say, I'm going out on the boat. I'm going kayaking. I'm going to sit by the fire pit. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm not stuck inside because it's cold and snowy, so I'm not forced to turn the TV on. So unless you draw me into your product on the radio and on TV, what? why am I going to do it? I'll go to the beach instead. I'll go to Nantucket. I'll go to the Cape. I'll do what? There's a million things to do in New England in the spring, late spring, summer, early fall that don't involve the Red Sox. And if you don't sell me on your season, you might get your eyes open. Now I know they'll just... Maybe they can make their money off the tourist crowd and the Fenway Experience crew, and maybe they don't really care. Or maybe they really are convicted that this is the way to do it, and they're going to be a dominant baseball team in 25, 26, and 27. But as Mac Jones says, my feet are in 2024, and that seems to be the problem right now. I have a hard time selling myself, selling ownership, selling a fan base, selling your broadcasters from Nesson to Castigs and everyone and Merloni on the idea of like, all right, guys, we just have to eat you know, 500 yards of the crap that Andy Dufresne had to crawl through coming out of Shawshank to get to. I watched to get that to last next... night. You did? Really? Yeah, absolutely. My daughter on purpose or did it. you get, quote, Shawshanked by it? Like it was on and you were like, well, putting the remote down. Well, scrolling through and my daughter had never seen it. So my wife and I were like, oh, it's a great movie. You should really watch. So we watched Shawshank in its entirety. What do uh, I don't think she liked it as much as, <laughs> you know, she's a teenage girl, ninth, right. ninth grade. Like, I'm, Dad, I'm not why sure. are you crying? But a uh, great movie. And I always think we should use more of those drops for, like, our podcast and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, Andy Andy crawled through 500 yards. Just cut out the Dufresne, and then it's me. You know? My name's Andy. <laughs> Jackson's there. I'm here. That, was, that woke me up. That was great. <laughs> oh, woke you up? No, That's I mean. That's hurtful, Jackson. No, I woke up my, my microphone is what no, I No, you meant. fell asleep. It's okay. Fitzy's yeah. been boring this segment. And, no, Fitzy's been du- fantastic. I'm, I'm, Andy Dufresne was my friend. I've never exactly. seen that movie. Can you believe uh, that? By the way, so fun little story, and then uh, I see the calls are lined up to talk about the Sox, and we'll let you get your Fenway grouse on in just moments, folks. But uh, in school, at college, uh, to start my junior year, we, we got invited a lot of times, being the dork that I am, at film school at NYU. <laughs> Uh, a lot of times there'd be screenings and they'd be accompanied by either like the producer or the director or maybe a star or the writer. And there was one Saturday night where we were invited over to a screening room at school. They said, oh, there's this new movie with Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman called Shawshank Redemption. You guys should come see it. So I I took the ticket. There were like 100 of us. And Frank Darabont, the writer and director of it, who also did uh, The Green Mile, a tremendous writer, um, he was there. And I remember just watching this movie and just being moved to tears sitting with a bunch of other like 20 year old dudes and nerds and whatever else at, at film school. And we're all just blown away by it. And then I was so lucky to sit there and listen to him do a talk back for an hour. And the Z Watanejo scene at the end, like they were going to, going to let the movie end on the idea that you, you, you imagine that red was going to make it and finally catch up to his friend Andy and leave you with the idea of hope. And test audiences loved their relationship and loved it so much, they went back. And so that final shot that everyone loves of Morgan, like seeing the seeing Tim Robbins, seeing Andy Dufresne working on the boat, mm. and then cutting back to Red walking on the beach, and then them hugging as you as the camera lifts up and you go to credits. That was a reshoot. Hmm. Interesting. They actually did fan service. It was like no, the audience demands they they love these guys so much. They've followed this journey. They want completion. Huh. So they want. What a novel idea Red Sox owners might want to take on. Wait, you want to please your audience? You want to give them something they like? 
Did you just tie Shawshank Redemption into the Red Sox like that? I'm a Andy, I feel like I like you always like to say like I've taught Fitzy reality as far as being a Patriots fan. Look at you now stitching narratives between Hollywood and sports together. I feel yeah. like I'm proud right now. It's a false narrative because they don't do that. They don't believe in that at Fenway. <laughs> just watch the compliment. damn movie we put out there, and in a few years we might make a good movie. <laughs> Polly's in debt, and back to the calls we go. How are you, Polly? Hey, hey, what's happening, Nick? Did you see the uh, the the uh, the piece, the sixty minutes piece last night on Killian Murphy? No, I didn't, but I will go back and watch it because I loved Oppenheimer so much. And that, guy's, that guy's awesome. Yeah, the uh, the work that they have to do just to get themselves prepared for the role, I was unaware of. You know, I, uh, uh, it was an old time movie. I forget, uh, actor, I forget his name. He ended up in a lot of trouble. But back in but he was my father, so he came, he, went, he nearly went nuts after uh, after preparing, and he did a, a stellar role in some sort of a movie. But sure. I'm going to tell I'm some movie. I'm going to tell Sheen, you where the Red Sox now? went wrong. Oh, Ooh, Jackson, good guess. Sorry, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Well, where exactly the point was where they went off the rails and they have not returned like Charlie on the NCAA. Okay? That was in the ALC Championship. Okay? They were playing over their heads for Alex Cora. They would have gone through a wall for him. They loved him. What does he do? He, he admonishes on national TV in front of the whole team Erod coming off the mound after watchdog and Carrera after striking him out. That team instantly went dead on him. They died, and when somebody's dead, they don't come back. They lost their heartbeat. That was it. He poured cold water on them. They went into the tank immediately, and they never have returned. I don't know what they're waiting for. They should have fired him at the end of the year for that debacle. He caused that team to lose. They were the hottest team in baseball by far. They were tearing a cover off the ball, and he pours cold water off his loyal, devoted, young pitcher coming off the mound and on national TV in front of the whole team and destroyed the whole operation. you got to get rid of him. All right, Paulie, thanks for the call. Uh, you remember the moment he's talking about, Andy? I don't, actually. Uh, I was so, just thinking that. like, he He's selling it with great conviction, as Paulie always does, and mm-hmm. he's usually about 50-50 with his accuracy, so I'm a little dubious. Um, right. And I don't think you're going to have to worry about Cora long-term. I think no. we saw that the other day, that he's on the way out the door. He's mentally checked out. And, and maybe Craig Breslow wants his own guy, and I have no idea how that's all going to play out, but I, I right. don't think Cora's going to be here long-term. I actually think Cora's a pretty good manager. I always say this. If, Same. If the front office did their job as as well as I think he does his job, I think this would be a much better uh, baseball club. Alex Cora, to me, is one of those guys. Uh, I've said this before, the idea of, you know, at Gerard Mayo's intro press conference, the Thunder Buddies intro, how he said he wants the analytics to match what his gut tells him. I've always mm-hmm. thought that Alex Cora does a great job of toggling back and forth between the, the VORP, WHIP, uh, EPA era and uh, just, you know, being a skip if you will just being a just being a baseball manager and uh it seems underappreciated here i know the Sox have had their defensive issues but i think alex core does an excellent job he's a lame duck manager final year of his deal calls out sick he bangs out sick uh on the first day of spring training had a stomach virus whatever must have been a really bad one if he couldn't have showed up maybe he was sick i don't know but to, to your point though like he's he he knows this is he's done and like the whole team is done like 
it's gotten to a point now, like, I don't even know why. What do we, I, I guess you have to trot a team out there this year, so whatever rendition they're going to put forth with relievers that are going to be traded, people that know they're Dunsky already, and a manager who knows he's finito, Benito, like, what a bummer. What a bummer for Sox Nation. We're supposed to be full of, like, sunshine and hope and optimism, and they're yeah. cleaning the park up, and their friendly Fenway's getting ready, the Jet Blue, Fenway South, and, oh, it's come on by, and... Get ready. The boys of summer will be back, and it just sort of feels like uh, we'll see in 2025, folks. And that's the problem. Remember I told you in August that was the time to be optimistic in all 32 NFL cities. Patriots yes, fans sir. should be optimistic. I don't know if it's going to work. I had my doubts, and my doubts were certainly warranted as we watch the season play out. But when you're in August for football, you should be optimistic. When you're in February and March for baseball, you should have at least some optimism, some hope. And it feels like we're hopeless right now in Boston, and we haven't even gotten to the harsh reality of an actual season and maybe getting swept by some team. And that's sad. When you have no hope in February and March, you are hopeless. Uh, this is this, and this is when you get a case of the sads. And it's, uh, it's not seasonal affective disorder. It's socks affective disorder at this point, folks. And we're sorry to report, but that's just the sad state of affairs at old friendly Fenway. You know the number, 617-779-7937. We'll try to clean up everything we didn't get to in the final break of the show, and then we'll pass the baton on for more exciting sports talk all day long on President's Day here on WEEI. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Just a couple of minutes left here on Fitzy and Hart's edition of the Greg Hill Show on a President's Day morning before we pass the baton to the Midday Show. Filling in for Gresham Fourier today, we got our guys KJ and John Lyons, and I do believe they'll have Matthew Hamachek, the director of the Dynasty on Apple Plus TV, during the program today, so you're definitely going to want to catch that. Uh, if you missed any of the program today and want to catch up on some of the things Hart and Jackson and I have bandied about from the controversies this weekend, at All-Star Weekend, things that were said by Kenny Smith, Reggie Miller, Charles Barkley, and more. Some dynasty talk and just other ramblings from a couple of mad fans behind a microphone. Of course, you can subscribe to the Greg Hill Show podcast at weeiweei.com, the Odyssey app, Spotify, Apple Pods, and wherever awesome sports talk can be found. Just like you can lock in the Six Rings and Football Things podcast as well. We'll have some new stuff coming up there this week. And we have some interesting elements from the weekend with Mike Cadlick, myself, Hart, and more. Uh, Andy, we got so many things we didn't even get a chance to get to today. My gosh. TD Garden has a new bag policy that everyone is up in arms over. <clears throat> you know, you can only have a bag that's uh, six inches wide now. Really? Yeah, like teeny tiny. 
like huh. Ken Lee Jansen when people out in in that video he he had a huge <laughs> right. Louis Vuitton I bag. Saw that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's not going to be an issue for a lot of guys. I'm sure moms, girlfriends, ladies, anyone who has like you can't even that's not even like the size of a clutch, let alone a bag. Look I, at you knowing the terms a clutch. Well, my mom used to work at Filene's. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm married. I'm a come on. I'm a man. I'm 50. I'm married. Come after me. Um, also, I wanted to talk about Justin Spieth. Do you see he was DQ'd from a PGA Tour event this weekend because he accidentally wrote down the wrong score on his physical scorecard? Yeah, doesn't that feel like a dated um, I mean, practice? Mike, how, it's how, Jordan Spieth, by the way. Yeah. What did I say? Justin. Oh, Ju- Justin Spieth. He got. Yeah, yeah. That guy stinks. That's just Reg- like you Reggie hearing Lewis from Reggie pissed. Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. PGA Tour comms put out on the 16th at 8.04 p.m. Jordan Spieth has been disqualified from the Genesis Invitational for signing for an incorrect scorecard. Spieth signed for a three and made a four on number four. Okay. It's a mistake. He's a human being. He, I, I doubt the guy was trying to cheat in front of hundreds and thousands of people attending live on television with cameras. Every, like, what Do you think he was actually going to be able to get away with it? It's a mistake. I mean, on the flip side, though, you have two jobs. Hit the ball, write your score down correctly, really. But what the hell? He actually has to write his own score down? Where are we, Jackson? Are you kidding? Yeah, it's true, yeah. I mean, it, but they are the rules of the game. You know, you can't... Oh, come on. They're dated. Time to move on. Holy Time to date, update exactly. it and, like, actually allow the cameras and the officials to keep track of scores the way it should be. What about all like, those guys that have to put up the individual numbers and the letters and stuff on the big scoreboards at the events? What will they do? Right. Okay. Uh, so archaic. I mean, look, I love whenever you go to a bowling alley, like, there's a great candle pin set of lanes in Eastie where you still it's BYO you can write down uh you you have still have paper and pay, uh and pencil Andy so to write down your score like it's a novelty going there one every once in a while it's fun going to some of your fa- but even like nope. some of your favorite old bowling haunts have all updated to automatic scoring and whatever okay. else and the fact that like you get shamed and disqualified from a tournament where you make your livelihood because you accidentally write a score down wrong Ugh, and do we on. think he was trying to cheat i mean does anybody Seriously. actually think he was trying to cheat Nobody actually thinks he was trying to cheat because you're not going to get away with it. So, So like, yeah, I don't. I'm sure the the golf hardos will tell me that's the way the game is done and this is why it's great or I don't know. But, yeah, I would just update it and say, I don't know, have other people keep score. That's the way it is in every freaking sport. All right. uh, One or two last final socks grouses before we uh, make way to the midday show and carry on with our President's Day. Andy, Steve from Maine. How are you? Steve from Maine is no longer here, but we do have Bill from New Hampshire. Oh, good. Well, I know Steve. Steve from Maine's question. I thought it was a good one. It was uh, when is it technically okay to start booing the Red Sox and should we get going right from day one? Yep. Now. Right now, let's all boo yeah. in unison. Boo! Like in, remember in Cleveland, Andy, when they the t- when they went zero and sixteen years ago. Baker Mayfield helps them get a win. What's his reward for actually leading them to the playoffs and getting the first win? Getting shipped out of town. Great job, Cleveland. But they had all the fans do a reverse march around the stadium in protest. I feel like Sox fans need to get outside Fenway this year, and not just you know be buying the burgers and the beers and the overpriced suvies, but actually let them know how unhappy they are with what's going on. All right, Bill in New Hampshire, final call today. What do you got, buddy? Yeah, hi, how you doing? Thanks for taking my phone call. I'll be real brief. Um, yeah, the one, the one thing I'd like to know, and I, I think it's really important, is I, how much really are the socks in the black? Okay, and, and has anybody really done – I think what you need to have on the show and is, is somebody that can speak the accounting terms of a major league ball club. 
because I'm disgruntled like everybody else is with how bad this team is. But when I also look at these exorbitant salaries these guys are getting, I sometimes wonder if John Henry and the Red Sox can genuinely afford all these guys. And again, I'm not defending them. I just like to know the facts for how much, how much money they're taking in. And, um, you know, because I, I want to be on the winning ways like everybody else. Uh, so thanks, and uh, I appreciate some discussion. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome, Bill. Thank you. I mean, I don't think they have to really open – they don't have to open the books for the fans, but I'm nope. pretty sure the people behind Fenway Sports Group who bought the Red Sox for $750 million or $775 million, or just maybe it was $700 million, whatever it was, that now the team is worth over $4 billion, can probably afford some of these players. The, par- the park, even though it's on the smaller side of capacity, is usually full. They take in millions and millions of fans. They have the highest souvenir and highest seat prices and highest concession prices in baseball. I'm pretty sure they can afford Chris Martin. They could have afforded Whit Merrifield. They could have afforded a lot of the players that we thought they were going to pursue, but they eschewed this offseason. You uh, said earlier this show went in a direction you didn't necessarily expect along the way. I did not expect to end with a call that gives uh, John Henry the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> well, <laughs> we have been a little bit negative money. today. It's good to be positive. Sure, we end on that. Sure. Give John Henry the benefit of the doubt. Go pay through the nose for a hot dog and a beer and just pretend he's not making money. Holy pizzuti, what are we doing when we're siding with John Henry? <laughs> Didn't think it was going to go that way, but Andy, that's part of the magic of whenever you and I get behind the microphone here at WEEI. Good job by you. Good job by Jackson. Good job by all the callers today. Thank you guys for letting us into your heads, hearts, and homes for a couple hours to start your President's Day off. If you missed any of the show, use the free Odyssey app today. Rewind, subscribe to the podcast, and thanks for being a part of the great... Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 